This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. doesn't seem to derive much enjoyment it just comes from proving to people that he can do things and he's he's got an air of just someone who is against the world and he's just trying to prove himself always yeah so he's driven by that whereas i guess you're right sean parker is driven loving the lifestyle money, fame yeah yeah the hedonist because yeah. yeah interns hello listeners you've reached episode 74 in this episode we are joined by phil hello Nick. Hi. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we are reviewing the 2010 David Fincher film, The Social Network. Come find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. The guys, just as a big reminder, all films on the podcast were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There will be bad language. There will be spoilers. I hope you enjoy it. See you later. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watch Podcast. Our guests in the studio today are Phil and Nick. If you would like to say hello and introduce yourself to our listeners, please. Hi, I'm Nick. Um, I work for Empire Magazine as Features Editor and um, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and on the podcast, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. I am on the podcast occasionally. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you also had a starring role as Edmund. Uh, uh, yes. Um, if you pause and zoom in, you can see me in the film Jurassic World, <laughs> one of the biggest uh, blockbusters of all time. Um, I play idiot clapping at Mosasaurus um, about half an hour into the film. I'm in so, one shot. So Mosasaurus is the big whale type dinosaur. It's the big watery Meg type thing. <laughs> yes. And um, yes, it's. I got splashed. Uh, how, I mean, to the listener and the reader of the, of the podcast, of the uh, magazine, I think doing like on-set business is one of the things that people really like to get to be involved in. Can you, are they good? Do they get, do they get boring after a while or are they? No, I mean, uh, occasionally you get a boring one, yeah. um, but even the boring ones are kind of cool. Um, Entourage, I went on Entourage the movie and I got flown to Hollywood to watch them filming a scene and it's Entourage, so you're expecting like, you know, babes and flashy cars and amazing parties. And we watched uh, the actor who plays Turtle parking a car. Um, <laughs> just parking the car. About We watched it about eight times. And then they said, uh, yeah, tomorrow we're doing the biggest party we've ever done in Entourage history in this mansion. And I was like, great. Well, I'm off to the airport. <laughs> but no, generally, they're good. and that was a good one, Jurassic World. Yeah. I got to watch Vincent D'Onofrio have his arm bitten off by a raptor. And uh, yeah, pretty good. Cool. Uh, Phil, hey. how are you? Um, I'm... F- oh. 
No? I'm the um, global film editor of Time Out uh, magazine and website and whatever other digital channels that we have available. Um, and I was previously at Empire as well. And you guys being brothers, what were, you, what were your kind of film habits? As you grew? Who's the older brother? I'm the older brother. Yeah. Were you, were you schooling Nick as he grew I schooled up? Nick. Yeah. I did. Um, what did I make you watch? One of my earliest memories is watching Total Recall from behind the sofa as you and your friend Rich, <laughs> you guys had rented it. Yeah. I was way too young for Total Recall. So that, hence the hiding behind the sofa. But yeah, Phil introduced a lot, a lot of my, and you know, Phil used to read Empire. So I would read his hand-me-down issues. Mm. And that's kind of how we both got into film in the first place. So it's weird that we both ended up working there. Um, you got there first, obviously. We still, we still have those copies, those those old copies in, in the uh, attic. Yeah. Oh, really? In the attic, yeah. Wrapped in bin bags, I think. Yeah. I'm also, I've been, I had this weird, <laughs> yeah, this weird, <laughs> weird, weird situation with um, Peter Strickland, who is the director of Duke of Burgundy and um, Catelyn Varga and a few others, where he, where he was also, I mean, he's a hardcore art house director in a lot of ways, but mm. he was also a big Empire reader. And he is trying to return give me these copies of Empire from his childhood as well. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> He's given me half of them. I've, there's still a bunch more to come so we can fill in any gaps. And Time to go to a boot, car boot sale. I did say, you know, just give them to, uh, you know, find a, another deserving I thing think for eBay, them. But... People, people uh, how, much do you, how much can you get for them? Because I've got quite a lot at home. I don't think I've got the, definitely not the first issue, but quite close. I think you've got a good collection and have come from a Peter Strickland type home. I think they'll raise at least £10. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I think I, I gave him a tenner for them. So yeah, I think he feels like he's in, a, in debt to me for them. <laughs> There's some sort of blood, blood uh, oath to get me these copies. But yeah, mm. so Phil is at the artier end of the, of the, the film watching spectrum. So to give you a sort of taste of that, a few Christmases back, uh, <sighs> Christmas was fast approaching, and you know we're thinking of Christmas movies to put on for the whole family and Phil suggests The Bitter Tears of Petra van Kant which is a <laughs> black and white German film it's not black and white it's not black and it's white it's German I, I'll be honest I didn't watch it but it's a, it's a German film about a suicidal woman I mean what's what's wrong with you know National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation <laughs> when the whole family's around together <laughs> it wasn't the whole family it's a wonderful life, I'm just maybe. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that was, it was, it was, um, it was an unusual choice, no question. But I didn't, I wasn't expecting the family to gather around and watch it. It was really just something I wanted to put Nick through <laughs> as part of my advanced schooling. Um, yeah, first binder at Christmas, I wouldn't recommend necessarily. No, I mean, we do, we, we, yeah, we, we sort of passed, passed that DNA, I guess, back and forth a bit because Nick, Nick's passion, enthusiasm for, um, you so, for yeah, Chevy Chase. For, you know, Ghostbusters 2, for instance. Yeah. Um, better it's than, infectious. Than the first one. Infectious uh, like an incorrect. illness. <laughs> I, I've not won a lot of people to. No. I've actually been in an opportunity where I've asked Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray, Rick Moranis, and Dan Aykroyd mm. for a bit of support with this theory. Not one of them has agreed <laughs> with me. I, we asked Wes Anderson as well, didn't we? He wouldn't get drawn into it. No. We did. We has, did. We did ask him. Why did we ask him? I don't know. <laughs> we uh, have done a few interviews together and they've usually gone quite badly. Who um, Has anyone agreed with you? Um, yeah, a few a few Empire readers. Oh, right, I've been okay. banging on about this for like 10 years. And so I wrote a uh, spirited, uh, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, I can't work out, um, defense of Ghostbusters 2. And I've had people get in touch to say they agree with me. It's, a, it's got a better villain. I, I quite like Ghostbusters 2. No, I like it, but Ghostbusters 1 is better. That's the, that's the argument. It's a fact, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it's a theory. It's a theory. Um, Ghostbusters 2 has got a better villain. Yeah. It's got a simpler, easier to follow plot. 
No one could tell you what's going on with the key master and the, the gatekeeper and all that stuff. Anyway. Um, it's got a baby. It's got a baby. It's got an evil nanny with a pram flying <laughs> around. I think it's better. I just, I that's yeah. wrong, yeah, isn't it? It's the I mean, incorrect it's answer, uh, as I stated earlier. Um, Ghostbusters 2 for me was when my brother went to see it with um, with his friends for like a birthday party. And I, I wasn't friends with that guy and I was absolutely gutted. I was like, I remember crying. That I, didn't to see <laughs> I think I had to see it with my parents afterwards, which is nowhere near as cool. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about The Social Network, which is your film, Phil. I picked this film. Yeah. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us in two minutes what happens and also why you brought it to the table? In two minutes? Yeah, um, two minutes synopsis. Sure. Okay. Well, The Social Network is effectively an origin story for Facebook, mm-hmm. um, or as it was called back then, The Facebook. Um, and prior to that, face mash, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a, at its very essence, a kind of a jocks meets nerds uh, story about these kids out of Harvard, um, and but in particular, obviously Mark Zuckerberg, who everyone doesn't really need introducing, um, played by Jesse Eisenberg, and his relationship with uh, Andrew Garfield's character Eduardo Severin, who basically set up what we now know as Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you're seeing the beginnings of this epic invention um, and the beginning of, I guess, the digital economy. And then from there, um, with variety of sort of other um, characters who come into conflict with with um, with Zuckerberg, um, it becomes more of a, I guess, more of a kind of a, a legal battle, basically, yeah. for, for, for the ownership of of stock in this company. Um, so it's, it's kind of a character study and it's kind of a a, a sort of Shakespearean, um, drama about, you know, greed and about the desire for power and the, and the the pursuit of an idea. And why did you choose it for us today? I mean, just, I don't know. It's not, I'll be honest, it's not a film that I have a great emotional connection to, but I just, it just felt like it, an inch, it would be an interesting one to talk about at this point. Because obviously the way that we see Facebook now is probably a little different from how we might've seen it when we saw the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and when all of this sort of sort of played out in the first place. And uh, I just felt like it'd be an interesting one to sort of bring to the table and see what everyone kind of thinks in retrospect and revisiting it. Also, I think Finch's films, uh, especially with this one's scripted by Aaron Sorkin, who won the best adapted screenplay because it was based on a book um, by Ben Mesrick. Mm-hmm. Um, very dense. And there's a lot to unpack. And I've only seen it once, so I thought it would be a good opportunity to have another look and see what may, we may have missed or what feels different. So um, do you see it that first time was when it first came out? Yeah, I saw it on the big screen when it first came out. Mm. Um, and I've obviously gone back and looked at it again on sort of the smaller screen. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah? Oh. Uh, what, what were your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I really like this film. This is actually my second time watching it. I hadn't seen it since it since it came out. So yeah. first time watching it on the small screen. And yeah, I think it's just, um, it's really, really well done. It's a potentially boring story. Yeah. Or it's mostly people sitting in rooms, either talking or looking at screens. But Fincher, I think, is the only director who could elevate it as much as, the, as, much as he does here. It's such a glossy film. Every shot is, I don't know, it's just got something about it. It's got a sheen. It looks beautiful, mm-hmm. be- meticulously put together. The soundtrack is incredible, obviously. And the performances are great. And I was gripped all over again, even though I kind of knew the story. Helen? Um, I, I'm a big David Fincher fan, and this is one of my favourites. It's interesting because the three things it won Oscars for were screenplay, editing, and sound. Mm. And re-watching it again, um, just those are just so good. Really good. Um, Trent Reznor and... Atticus Ross. Yeah, on the soundtrack. Um, I mean, it, 
It's all, I always think that he slightly sort of remade Fight Club when he made this a little bit, in with the sound and the editing and kind of the dual Did he do the soundtrack for... No, he didn't. That okay. was the Dust Brothers. But okay. um, it's that kind of similar sound. They're very, very similar in the soundtracks. And it also features a very early Rooney Mara performance as well. Well, he in went on to... Finch went on to work with Rooney Mara in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. Was that his next film after this? No. Uh, yeah. Mm. yeah, I think it was actually. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there was one. Uh, we should probably have this at our fingertips, shouldn't check, we? I'll check. This, this followed on from Benjamin Button. Um, which got a lot of Oscars recognition, but was largely terrible. Yeah. Um, Boring. Yeah, very bad. And then I think it was, no, Dragon mm. Tattoo. Um, and then a bit of a gap. Uh, that came after this, yeah, directly after it. And then directly Gone Girl. after. Yeah. Okay. Am I missing anything between Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl? Uh, no. He started to do more television type yep. projects, obviously. Yeah, like cards he, and such. Like. Yeah, he started. Yeah. He produced and um, yeah, he produced and directed the first and episode of Calvin House of Cards. And Calvin Klein advert and a Justin Timberlake video. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, there you go. Justin Timberlake obviously plays Sean Parker in this, who is the the, the sort of master Napster. genius behind Napster. Yeah, I think the sorry, I was going to say the combination of Aaron Sorkin scripts and and David Fincher is dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> just dynamite. Like you say, dynamite. Um, I think Aaron Sorkin, his. I don't know how he writes his scripts. They're so, so dense. And you have to get the right kind of actor as well that can just relay what he's put on, on paper in such a fantastic, concise book, clear way. Yeah. There's one bit of dialogue I wrote down because it tickled me so much. Dating mm. you is like dating a stairmaster, which Rooney Mara says in the first scene, <laughs> that sort of breakup scene, which is so beautiful. Just to open with that yeah. really long talky scene is so confident. But your grip straight, it's Finch's just going, we, we're so confident that about this story, which is going to hit you with this straight away, but great. Yeah. Thing. I mean, it's interesting what you, what you were saying there, Kobe, about the, the actors that I just discovered today. In fact, there's an amazing making of documentary about this film. Okay. It's on IMD, the IMDb page. So like, I couldn't recommend enough checking it out. It really gets into the, the nub of like the of Fincher's technique of working with the actors. And, 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 and they say exactly that. In fact, Sorkin says that he's like, you know, with this script, there was no deviation from no sort of, every word there's a bit where you see Sorkin actually just come in and saying you said wherever instead of something else and you have to say <laughs> it's so dense you have to get every word right and um, and they talk about that they needed the best young actors yeah. and we'll probably come on to talk about the actors that they picked but they've all gone on to do bigger and better things so the casting was just spot on because yeah. a, a few of them didn't really have a lot of a lot on their CV Army Hammer didn't really have a lot on their CV at that point I think Andrew Garfield was well known here for TV work but wasn't really big in the US um, yeah, but that, I'm sure they all went on to better things. Well, Sorry, who, no, I didn't mean to say better things. That was that was. Well, a, who, a, who has? But, but, I'm not sure. To quite, yeah, there's quite a few actors who have. They all became big. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant better. Yeah, better loosely. I mean bigger. I yeah, guess bigger yeah. for them for their careers at least. They've gone on to have other opportunities. Um, but right. yeah, that, that opening scene is a good place. What did, what did you think, Helen, about that? That as a sort of Fincher opener. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Because you're not quite sure what this it, film is yeah you're not quite sure what the film is and you're also like well that's Mark Zuckerberg but this is about Facebook so why are we sort of having this conversation who is this girl and it, it's all very clever it's all links into the end of the film again um, kind of like Fight Club does as well to go back and um, yeah I mean I really like Jesse Eisenberg in this I think he's great he really nails that kind of nerdy 
Just yeah. right. It was him and Michael Sarah too at the, at one point were kind of the, <laughs> the two nerdy nerdy guys, weren't they? Can you imagine Sarah being in this? No. Oh really? No, he doesn't he's not he doesn't have that nastiness that's the kind edge, of just the beneath the surface. Yeah. Something pretty interesting about this film is that it's always when he's rejected that he's pushed to succeed more. Yeah. So there's this, so th- I think that's why it's interesting. It opens with this scene that kind of propels the whole story. But directly after this, he he makes face. He mash. runs off, and it's re- he's motivated by these bad emotions, yeah. revenge, and you know pride and ego, and so he's driven to the top by all that stuff. It's really interesting. Um, let's talk about actors. Um. Where was, I think Jesse Eisenberg, obviously maybe Justin Timberlake is probably the most famous person in the film at the time for, from a different angle though. But where was Jesse Eisenberg in his um, career at that point? Was it post Zombieland? He, he just it? made Zombieland yeah. and, and Adventureland, yeah. his land duo, as I think he probably doesn't <laughs> he refer to another it. another one in soon, doesn't he? He, he needs the land trilogy. Um, but um, yeah, and he'd done The Squid and the Whale with Noah Baumbach a while before that. So... He would have had a profile, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know he's quite a he's quite a sort of self-effacing dude um, in real life, Jesse Eisenberg. And I think he probably talked about how he wasn't expecting to get this plum role. Um, you see in this making of doc, I mentioned that the opening scene in the bar, the ninety-nine takes of it, but they loved. I think both of the actors loved doing it. He's just the meat of it of doing this, and and Fincher's notes are very. Precise. Involved, yeah. very involved and precise. They clearly like brought the best out in him. I think. I think if there's a weakness in the film for me, watching it again, was that the, the first half is pretty kinetic, especially that opening, and it really it just does so much that first scene. Like, it, what is it like, fifteen pages of dialogue or something? But you learn. Is that how much it is? Uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's about fifteen minutes. Is it 10, 15 minutes? Something like that. Well, the the date scene or the face. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. I think so. I think it's a chunk of time, and. Um, you know, you see them recording it with actual people, everyone around them, talk, background talking, which you normally don't have on set. Everyone's sort of pretending to talk. but So it was a really authentic kind of acting experience for them. And, 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 and you just discover his motivation, that he, he is this guy that's very, very thin-skinned, brilliant, like genius-level intellect, mm-hmm. and maybe slightly on the spectrum in terms of his interpersonal skills and a bit lacking in self-awareness. Um, but uh, as I say, the weakness for me, like second half, he slightly drifts from the core of the story a little bit and, and becomes a bit more about Andrew Garfield's character and a bit more about Timberlake playing this, this kind of manipulative entrepreneur. A lot of things going on in the second half. It's just slightly pulled focus for me from... Trying to wrap it up a bit too quickly yeah. and neatly where it probably didn't need to be. Yeah, I, I felt the ending is a little low-key and low-powered. I, I mean, some of the criticisms of the film were that the stakes were low. The stakes are low. At this oh, because point. you know what happens. Well, you kind of know what happens, yeah. But I mean, at this point, it's not a big... There's, there's You know, you don't know. They, they didn't know it was going to become... I suppose the Garfield, he gets diddled, doesn't he, quite badly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an excellent podcast called Based on a True Story. And they... Um, so if you don't know the story about all the all the films that start off with based on a true story, he, he goes through them and uncovers the actual history behind it. Um, and I re-listened, I re-listened to that episode before coming in here today. And Andrew Garfield's character, Eduardo Saverin, um, the main reason they fell out, him and Jesse Eisenberg, was because Saverin was actually making the competitors to Facebook at the same time. And then he served adverts on the Facebook, directing people to, his, to that competitor whilst he's supposed to be doing stuff for Facebook. So that's, 
<laughs> that's one of the main reasons. Is that, I did not know that. Is that, is that really? Okay. According to the podcast based on a true story. The actual story and what happens in this film apparently they do, is They not, do bit for quite a bit. Yeah. And that's what he says at the start of the, of the episode of the, of the podcast. He says, this is where David Fincher kind of went, yeah, there's a, there's a kind of through line which we're going to follow, but we're going to deviate in, in different places. It's the emotional truth. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I, after the first two times watching it, I was like, oh, Eduardo got properly screwed by, by Justin Timberlake, not Justin Timberlake, Ed, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Both of them, yeah. By both of them. But now, knowing the story a bit behind it, I, I kind of feel a bit more There's not really much sympathy for him. No. Was, it, was this kind of the first of the, of the kind of tech biopics? Because we got two Steve Jobs movies after mm. this. Um, you know, the successful Ashton Kutcher one and then the Danny Boyle one. <laughs> I really like the Danny Boyle one. But it's weird, like, I don't, I don't feel the need to go back and revisit that in a way that this, this feels so iconic. Was this the start of that? Well, of we, when did you first watch this, Helen? I assume I watched it at the cinema. I can't remember which cinema it was, but I would have seen it at the cinema. So we all have seen this twice. More than twice. I've oh, seen it more than twice. Yeah. Okay. So us three have seen it twice and the first time was in the cinema. How many times? You've seen it a few times though. Yeah, I think possibly at least once, maybe. Twice more. Time, yeah. Because, yeah, four times I mean, in, I've seen Fight Club a lot, so by yeah, comparison, by comparison it's, it's, not, it's not that many. I guess by, yeah, twice in 10, twice in eight years for us three and four, three or four times. It's not that, it's not that frequent. Um, but I think... When when you suggested it, I thought, yeah, it's about. I think it's about time to watch it. It's also it's relevant in the news, and also I hadn't seen it for a while. And there's a lot of things I wanted to kind of take uh, take from it again. And when you're talking about the second half of the film, I I clearly remember the first time not understanding what was going on between the two uh, court cases because often he had the same lawyers on on his side, and I didn't really often know whether it was the Eduardo court case or the um, or the twins court case and that became a lot clearer this time so I think it does bear another watch but maybe not like straight away afterwards I mean Zuckerberg has kind of become a villain more so than ever mm. in the real world I think post Cambridge Analytica you know, him testifying and being quite slippery about Facebook and he's trying to repair his image now but it's just a, it's just so interesting that you've got this anti-hero that there's no one really to root for mm. I guess Andrew Garfield's character but at the centre of this story you've got this really unlikable guy it's quite interesting uh, that um, Eisenberg kind of got cast as Lex Luthor as yeah. a result of this so he wasn't going to like, do you think that was the main I, I think so because he was playing good guys before like you said Adventureland and Zombieland and I, I think his image changed and so he started getting offered more kind of villainous roles or um but he's a villain i think in this film yeah zuckerberg he's um i you don't like him. i don't know if i agree with that he's the i feel like watching it again that that timberlake sean parker is is the, the sort of iago if it's a shakespearean <laughs> thing he is there's a scene in the in um there's a couple of scenes and when they have sushi don't they and he's always ordering like bring me five of those green cocktails and mm. you know doing all the plain Billy big notes and there is one scene where they're in a nightclub and he's just really well it's just like dismissive about the woman he's with which is another slight issue with the film that I have and um, the lighting it like flashes it sort of his face kind of like turns red and there's a sort of demonic air to him and and it's, I think it's a really good Tim Lake performance I think he's an underrated actor um, but he's the guy that's kind of luring Zuckerberg towards something. Yeah, he spots like a, a cash cow that he can manipulate. Yeah, yeah, basically. He gives him that story about the guy from Victoria's Secret who sells yeah. his company for four million and it turns out to be worth billions and he goes and kills himself, which is just a really <laughs> bleak piece of dialogue. 
apropos nothing, but it's like you need to yeah. A, watch out, and B, you know, X million dollars isn't cool. What's cool is X billion dollars kind yeah. of thing. And um, that's kind of like he's kind of just pulling the strings all the time. And I think Zuckerberg just feels like a bit of a blank, not a blank canvas, but he's just, I just, I don't know. He's a guy that's really in a conflict with himself, feels to me feels like a guy who does things because he can he's not really doesn't seem to derive much enjoyment it just comes from proving to people that he can do things and he's he's got an air of just someone who is against the world and he's just trying to prove himself always yeah so he's driven by that whereas i guess you're right sean parker is driven loving the lifestyle money, fame yeah yeah the hedonist because yeah. uh, interns um zuckerberg <laughs> made a little do you remember winamp it's like a little audio player for your pc that. So he made a little system, little doohickey program and worked alongside it. And Microsoft tried to buy it for like $2 million. This is when he was at high school. And he turned them down and said, no, nah, I don't think so. Really? So that, and that's Zuckerberg and that, that's in real life. He gave it for free. Yeah. Is that the yeah, line in the film? Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of person he, he, he just does, is not focused on the money. And he really, when Eduardo's trying to monetize it straight away, he generally wasn't thinking this will be worth billions in a few years' time. He was just kind of thinking, let's just play with this and see what kind of fun I can have with yeah. it. But at the same time, he tramples on people and you see mm. the Winklevoss twins Win yeah. trying to do things by the book and they're just trampled over by Zuckerberg because he just doesn't care yeah. about the right way to do things or people's feelings or any of that stuff. It's irrelevant to him. He just does what he does. Um, what do you make of the, the Winklevi? Hmm? <laughs> the Winklevi. <laughs> the Winklevi. <laughs> Great. I mean, um, <laughs> they got the one big laugh when I remember watching it, the, the line about when they're taking revenge, I'm six foot five, 220 pounds. And there's two of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a spinoff about them. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're great. I mean, it's such a great bit of CG trickery. I'll be completely honest. When I first saw the film, I didn't know Army Hammer and I genuinely thought they were twins. Same. So, That's same. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, was completely it's completely convincing oh yeah and he'd only been in um gossip girl and one or two other things he was right. unknown really at this point so i think a few one of the main things i was looking out for the, on this rewatch is trying to, to try and unpick some of the joins and the only thing i could really pick was sometimes the the conversation seems to be too precise almost and too practiced and too rehearsed but that's really that's, not that's it Sorkin's script though isn't yeah it? exactly it could just be Sorkin's and like say if, uh, Fincher makes people do 99 takes of the same scene then you might it wouldn't be that. as entertaining I don't think if it wasn't so polished and so sharp yeah because in, at the end of the day it is basically a film about someone who wrote some code and created a yeah. well, social media it's, it's not the kind of film you expect there to be a lot of visual effects in mm. um, so I think that's why you probably weren't didn't see it coming but I'd love to I wonder if there were really heated it might be in that making of you saw, but I wonder if there are really heated arguments between Fincher and the studio. The studio just going, look, you can save this many million if you just cast real <laughs> twins. Um, I mean, yeah, sort of bloody minded on Fincher's part. A little bit, maybe. We should shout out to Josh Pence, the poor guy who was cast as one of them. And they were thinking about maybe going with another approach to the, to the thing that they weren't, you know, they weren't identical twins or mm. something else and then eventually discovered that he was going to be CG'd out. No. And he does appear on that featurette that I'm making of and he's a bit like, yeah, I was okay with it. Kind of, <laughs> but not. Um, Do you think when he watches the film with someone, he's like, That's, those are my legs. <laughs> 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 I'm in this film technically. Those are my legs. Yeah. Is that like, like David Prowse being there 
watching Star Wars for the first time. That's that's not my voice. <laughs> well, no, it's funny because actually this is this is true. We had um we had and I wish I could remember his name. I feel terrible off the top of my head. I, I can't remember. But a few years back at Empire, someone came in and helped sort of in doing some 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 work with us. Who was the body double for Sam Rockwell in Moon? Oh, okay. um, and I mean, he knew that that was how it was going to play and that Sam Rockwell had been doing the press tour and was tr- constantly trying to say, you know, shout out let's, to him and say, let's not such spoil too much about yeah. Moon though. Yeah. <laughs> no, carry on, but I'm saying don't, yeah, yeah don't give. Uh, no, no, I yeah. shan't, I won't mention any of the plot stuff, but just that the, the studio kept saying, no, you can't, you know, you can't, uh, you can't say anything about this guy. You have to maintain the illusion that, what? that it's, <laughs> you're both people or like we, you know, the technology that we didn't, whatever it was anyway. But I think in this, it's, they're quite clear that there were two actors, but. Um, I'm going to try and find out what uh, Josh Pence, because there were some scenes like, did, did Army Hammer know that Josh Pence was going to get wiped out? How, well, it must how far because... did the conspiracy go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the way to the top. Oh, he, he must have known, but not told Army. I don't know. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. I would have thought that Josh Pence knew right from the start. Um, it sounds from, I'm literally getting this from the doc, but it sounds to me like it was something that they were still working on and that he wasn't. Obviously, this happens in post-production. Mm. So he's there physically doing the scenes and doing the line readings and stuff, but maybe didn't know. Don't know. That's just another story to... And then Fincher calls an army hammer in one day and says, we need to record your face saying all these other lines. Do you think, yeah, yeah, do you they think put he got him paid the... twice? Army hammer? Yeah, do you think he got double salary for that? <sighs> Maybe a bit more. He's... He has to learn extra lines. Well, no, they, they do that exact thing that they do with, I guess, performance capture and like facial mapping. They had to do that with him. So mm-hmm. he had to say the stuff and then they mapped it and then stuck it on. Poor Josh Pence. <laughs> you feel for Josh. If you're I out there, Josh. Josh. I'm sure he's gone on to do other things, but yeah. Um, should we head on to the scores? Yeah. Yeah, all right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Phil, this is your choice. Yes. So you're going to lead out the scoring. Um, out of five, the recommendability score. Um, I'm going to give it a four. Um, Why did it lose that point? It lost that point for me because um, I just felt like the, the sort of final act is slightly slightly underpowered. Also, slight, I think there are things in it now that are a little... Like, the lack of female characters, like a proper female characters that aren't mm. just there to service the male characters and to move the plot forward. Um, and you could argue that the opening scene is, is all about that, but I mean, it, it just works brilliantly. Um, it's certainly even an issue, you know, and it ends with Rashida Jones's character asking, you know, telling Zuckerberg that he's actually not such a bad guy deep down after all, which I think is dubious <laughs> when you see the film. Um, so probably those slight, slight hesitations, but it's just, a, it's a brilliant film. And um, yeah, I'd re- recommend it heartily to anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, Nick. I'm going to go for it as well, actually. Uh, it's not right up in my top tier of David Fincher films. Um, What's up there? Oh, Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, those are my favourites. <laughs> this is just underneath those, I'd say. Um, I really enjoyed it the second time. Um, yeah. I'm a huge Get fan and of the I game. Love, the yeah, game the game is good, is good as well. Under, yeah. Underrated Fincher. The game mm. is excellent. And um, 
Yeah, and I love the soundtrack. I go running to the soundtrack quite a bit. I, I listened to the soundtrack today for the first time, and I was uh, I posted on Facebook a few months ago looking for great soundtracks you can actually do work to and just be kind of enveloped by it. And this is... It's a good thread, that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, do, I go back to it so many times. Like, give it a bump so yeah. people can add to it. Um, Isn't it a bit glitchy and unsettling for work? But it's not like super bombastic. No. And sometimes I, find I, sometimes I find I need to just like zone out for a bit and that, those kind of glitchy things bring me back into the, oh shit, I need to be doing stuff. So it's, I think it's, I think it's a perfect uh, working soundtrack. Um, Helen? I'm, I'm also going to give it a four. Um, had I not seen it, Again, I probably would have automatically given it a five, but watching it again and kind of realizing that it's not actually based on that much of a true story in terms of what happened. And also, you know, we've got no idea whether, you know, Zuckerberg is like that. And it's a lot more fictional than I think I had it in my mind from the first time I saw it. So that was like, oh, yeah, this actually might not have actually happened. This is just from, you know, the script and. Finch's mind so um yeah and the kind of the the, the Winklevice story kind of takes it a little bit away from the relationship he's got with Eduardo and takes the story a little bit there and the ending it's not quite as perfect as I remembered it but it is it's still brilliant it's still really dazzling but yeah not quite at the top of the Fincher canon I'm gonna go a bit higher 4.4.25 I reckon um it's good fun I and I think most people should see it um, and it's like we said a few times for a premise which sounds achingly boring it just isn't and there's not much action in it there's not much like crash bang wallop but like I say if you're not into it by the first kind of 10 minutes of that just that scene between Rune Mara and, and Jesse Eisenberg then you might as well dial out but I can't see many people who even have a passing interest in film wanting to dial out at that point so uh, 4.25 Repeat viewing. Yeah. Phil. Repeat viewing. Um, again, probably a four for me. Yeah. I think so it's something second I think. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Loved it second time. Yeah. Uh, the script, I mean, it feels like, I remember once going to see a play in the West End that was by um, Tom Stoppard, um, the real thing. And there was this weird thing where his writing is so sharp that the audience laughed at the jokes like a split second later than the line was delivered in unison. It was like our brains couldn't process it. And this is a bit like that. Everyone is talking so fast and the dialogue is precise, but overlaps and there's just a lot going on all the time. So I think it really lends itself to repeat repeat viewings. Mm. There's also fun curios like Aaron Sorkin cameos in it. What um, does he come? I don't know what it looks like. Oh. He's uh, he's not that tall. He's got glasses. He's sitting down I didn't in the film. Him. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. He's, he's uh, about five foot ten, sitting down throughout. <laughs> um, Obscured by a pillar. He's an ad guy. They go and him and Severin, uh, Eduardo wants to pitch, get ads on the thing. And yeah. Zuckerberg's disinterested in that idea at that point because he's fallen under the spell of um, Sean Parker and he just sits there and makes that weird noise. Like oh, his, is that? that like that's in... Um, what is that sound? Hereditary. Uh, thank that you, noise. Helen. Exactly. That that weird yeah. Yeah. So no, you're I saying Aaron it. Sorkin should have been cast in Hereditary? Yes. As one of the... Yes, one of, <laughs> no spoilers. No, no spoilers. <laughs> um, yes, so uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> Repeat, Repeat viewing. Repeat viewing, definitely watch you it again. Four. Watch it again. Um, is this something now, I mean, you said eight, it's been eight years between uh, us three have seen it, and Nick, Phil and I. Do you think you're going to see it more frequently? Or you just think you need to watch it again and you're happy to watch it again? Should it happen? Weirdly, Nick mentioned it, but I'd actually quite like to see, I've seen this, want to see 
Job, the Steve Jobs movie again, right. which I think was again quite underrated. Did really badly. Or the Ashton Kutcher one. Seems uh, the Danny the Danny Boyle one. <laughs> Sorry, the Ashton Kutcher one, I think, is on is on Netflix at the moment. Is it okay? Yeah. Well, no, the it's other one on as well. I think it was. It definitely was, oh, it was. but I don't know if it's on the, the moment. The thing is that that Kush, Ashton Kutcher looks an awful lot like Steve Jobs. That was the and white Michael cast. Fassbender looks literally nothing like him whatsoever. <laughs> so there is a there's something to be said for that. And one physical great scene. film in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Both. Yeah. And that's, that's maybe they should that... CGI Ashton Kutcher's face onto Fassbender's onto Fassbender's like jobs. acting ability. There we go. That's yeah. what Fincher should use the CG for. That's it. That's right. It's another Aaron Sorkin script. Aaron Again, Sorkin, Fincher. You know, uh, Fincher? well, no, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, sorry, yeah, yeah, for Steve Jobs, but yeah. Um, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to rush back to watch uh, Social Network again, but. Um, I guess also I just find the Facebook thing quite depressing at the moment. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm sure I'll see it again at some point. Uh, Nick? I'm going to say two. And that is not a comment on the film. As I said, I really enjoyed the film. I just feel like it's not, it's one that I'm very rarely going to return to. I don't think I'm going to get home on a Friday night and go, right, time for the social network. Sure. So it's been, it's been eight years and I'm happy I rewatched it, but I don't think I'm going to watch it again for another eight years at least. <laughs> Um, set the alarms guys I'll stick I'll set your alarms yeah, <laughs> for uh, 2026 um, I will listen to the soundtrack more often than that yeah but, um, yeah I mean it's, it's very dense as you say so I think I maybe got more out of it this time um, I was happy to spot Tim from Jurassic Park I'd forgotten he was in it uh, Joseph Mazzello right. a little kid from Jurassic Park oh has he grown up who is he's, he he's, he's in the early college scenes he's like his, his mate in the college oh, okay. at the beginning um, he's in the Pacific as well the, the miniseries um, which is very good. Which I, yeah, I need to watch because I love Band of Brothers to bits. And mm. someone told me that Pacific just isn't as good. Not as just, good. No, it's not I just good. didn't want to get into it. But yeah. is it worthwhile? Yes. Yes. Pacific, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I did a bit of reading up on the film after I watched it, and there's there's so much there. There's so many different avenues you can you can go down, go down to. Yeah. to. They mention a movie star in passing who was at Harvard at the time. But they don't name yes, him or her. Do you, do you know who that is? No. no. I looked it up. Natalie Portman. Oh, she was at Harvard with Zuckerberg. Right. And she actually consulted on the script with Sorkin. And so she helped Sorkin write the script. I mean, I'm sure she didn't write that much of it, but she told him about what it was like there. So that's interesting. Very what, interesting. What were your thoughts on this kind of, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a fraternity, it was this kind of Phoenix club. It's like the Uber fraternity. You don't see that kind of stuff much outside of, you don't see that stuff at all. About from uh, the Riot Club, which is past each on the know, Sheffield of... University got pretty yeah uh... <laughs> got pretty hairy, didn't it? <laughs> when, Ch- when Chesney Hawks uh, came by, um, yeah, those scenes are great. They get really it goes with the music playing over the top, really mm. sort of hedonistic feel. I'm sure it was less glamorous in then, real life than it actually was. Yeah, it's um, it's, yeah, there are large chunks of the first half of the film that are that it's just there's jocks and the nerds, and it's just quite a classic kind of American college movie in a lot of ways. It's like porkies with an IQ of about a million um, <laughs> which which are played really well and it keeps cutting between Zuckerberg sort of stewing and all of these you know hot babe party drug fuel bacchanalias with all of these kind of like the jocks the popular guys so it's the same tropes as normal but played one, out with stuff one thing I really liked about that scene with the face mash is that you can see the girls are bust into that Phoenix club or whatever club it was and they are getting off each other. They're made to kiss each other and do all that kind of nonsense. Um, and at the same time, the nerdy guys were also kind of um, undermining women with their asking to rape people. Mm. And it's only when the ladies are leaning over the laptop and looking at looking at looking at the screen, saying, "Guys, what are you, what are you actually doing? That's so wrong." But not 
No, they just she bust um, them in, don't they? Yeah. It's a really good point. So it's a nice yeah. kind of, I thought that was a really nice kind of juxtaposition of those two. He skewers a lot of this stuff really mm. subtly, Sorkin and Fincher. There's a lot of toxic like, masculinity. There yeah. is. And I think he was aware of it. I don't know about you guys, when you're watching films, I know you have a problem with this because we talked about it on the Empire podcast before with like when people have phone calls and they don't say goodbye at the end. So you worry about the person <laughs> at the other end still having the phone and going, hello, hello. But I, I worry about stuff like, you know, if someone's left the bath running in a scene yeah. and then they go on to another thing and I'm still worrying about the bath <laughs> about 10 minutes later. I was worried when they did the the the, the algorithms on the on the window. I was like, are they going to be able to get that off? <laughs> I don't know if that's a natural thing to think, but I was there going, this is great, but is that a permanent marker pen? Because that could be a nightmare. I do have concerns like that. When I watch, like, it used to be a big thing for me uh, in a, in a pre-Uber world where people just seemingly leave a taxi without paying. Yeah. Now, obviously with Uber, that's, that's perfect. But you just... Thank God for Uber. <laughs> I can watch a film again. Um, yeah. Okay. But that kind of thing was like, how? when did he pay for that? When yeah. did she pay for that? These, these things are stressful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> but that's all of the science, all of the maths in the film, just done in one snazzy, Aaron Sorkin-y moment. Edward, elegant like that. I need your, I need your algorithm. Do something on the window and then we can get that out of the way and move on to the less nerdy nerd stuff. Um, I work for a couple of startups and we do write stuff on windows. Um, I'm not sure if, if, if it's posted. People steal it though. If you write it on the window and you've oh, got like perfectly spies. perfectly fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, but spies stealing your code and... Oh yeah, but this is like windows looking out from like quite high up. Okay. I want to tell someone I need their algorithm. <laughs> cool, cool thing to say. Um, Helen, repeat viewing score. You've seen this yeah, three I don't or four times. How many times. I've definitely seen it more more than the once at the cinema. Um, I don't know. It's been a long time since. Um, and I think it really does reward the um, the re- the return viewing. Um, a particular nice bit I noticed that when they're kind of doing the face mash, Jesse Eisenberg throws a dart behind him and it goes into the guy's beer cup that he's huh? sitting there. And little things like that are quite fun to um, to, to notice. To notice. Um, yeah, so I have four. Four. Um, I'm a bit of a three, 3.2. Watch it again at some point. Not sure when. Maybe like six years' time. I'll set my alarm. <laughs> you get super granular with your... Um, your oh, I guess worse I feel than like that. I should yeah. throw in... I, guess, I, didn't get, know we could, I didn't know we could get into point two. So. You can get, you can, this is a spreadsheet. Adam <laughs> Buxton went to Pi. He he picked pie for something. Yeah, he picked yeah. pie for something. I think it might have been. It wasn't the, squid, the film pie? I think it was, yeah, it was the squid, squid in the, squid the whale. whale. Yeah, the squid in the whale. He chose pie for that a score. That would be too meta. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Small screen score. Okay. Phil. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go three point nine two. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to pick that. Damn you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it lacks. It loses very little. I mean, it is. It's brilliantly shot. And great kind of color palette to differentiate between because there's lots of different timelines and different mm-hmm. different narrative threads happening. So it navigates you through that really well. I particularly love the Henley tilt shift scene where everything's in miniature and yeah. playing. Olsen Green. Towers music. Did the, you gr- get that? Yeah. The, the Greek, yeah. the mountain, yeah. yeah. Hall of the Mountain. Is that, is that, oh yeah, of course, yeah, that's from Olsen yeah. Towers. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably like, where he got it from, from really? Nemesis. Yeah. And he's like, I, I got like, it. Eureka. <laughs> um, so there is visual stuff in it, but it is a, a film in rooms, isn't it? It's an I'm talking thing, people in rooms talking. Um, <laughs> so not, and there's not much walking and talking in this, is there? Sitting and talking. There's not Com- much walking. Computing and talking. There's rowing and talking. There's rowing and talking, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of rowing. 
So it's just the most rowing in a kind of major Hollywood film. Oh, come on. How many of those like 80s, well, even 90s Brockheimer like set in Boston, <laughs> everyone has to row at least one in one scene? Don't they like, isn't that a thing? Yeah. A movie thing starts Jerry Bruckheimer with... films in the 80s. Well, I'm thinking of... I'm trying to remember sorry, like... No, top, no, I mean, well... <laughs> no, I mean, there are plenty of Bruckheimer films in the 80s, but I can't... I'm thinking probably more 90s. I don't know what you're... Are you thinking of Varsity Blues? No, it's just there's tons the of like film, establishing know, shots of Boston always have Harvard rowers rowing down the river. It's just, that's a, mo- a movie thing, isn't it? Mm. Okay. Small Maybe script. it's just me. <laughs> anyway, I'm so giving 3. it 3.92. 3. Yeah. Nick? Well, I'm going to probably go 3.3 for this one. Um, because, yeah, you can watch it at home happily, but I love the soundtrack so much. Yeah. And it's so beautifully shot. I think seeing it on the big screen again would actually be a great, great experience. Um, yeah, I'll go three point three. Helen, uh, I'm going to give it a four. Um, I mean, if you get the chance to see it at the cinema, then please do because I mean the soundtrack and the editing are fantastic. And uh, like you were saying about the different color palettes, you can that really does, and it's got that kind of Fincher grayness mm. in it, which is really nice to watch, but it doesn't really lose that much. I don't think watching it on a normal size TV. And if you haven't seen it, then you you definitely should. Um, I'm going to go 3.9. 3.9. I think because um, someone, I think if someone points out the soundtrack to me this, just this morning, I thought, yeah, I don't actually remember it. Then I put it on and it was like properly fully enveloping and I, I listened to it all today. So I, I would, if I watched it again, if it came on a cinema, I'd watch, I would go and watch it purely to get the, the wave of the soundtrack over me. Um, and I think Finch has used, worked with Atticus Ross and... Um, was Seven. Is, is Seven? I think. No, this is his first. Was so this was the first. The beginning, but then Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, they definitely worked okay, together again. Yeah. Um, Atticus Ross had done soundtrack work before, but um, Trent Reznor hadn't. I think this was his first... What's the song on the Seven soundtrack? Um, is that not Trent? That's not not that's Nine Inch Nails though. Isn't and it's, it? that's, yeah, so it might be a song, but it's not oh, okay. uh, scored by no scored by them. Uh, so three point nine. But yeah, definitely listen to the soundtrack and with some nice, comfy headphones as well because it's, it's it's beautiful. Engagement score, Nick, Phil, sorry. Um, yeah, super engaged in this one. You kind of got to be really. Mm-hmm. You can't, yeah. Otherwise, got to sort of keep up challenge um i'm gonna give it um 4.23 you're getting into the algorithm i don't mind phil you're gonna need to give me your algorithm okay i can't do that i can't do that bro maybe for christmas yeah (laughs) under the tree uh nick yeah 4.5 i think um there's something about the subject matter that i think is just perfect for fincher it's it's a movie made by a control freak I think even <laughs> even he would admit he's a control freak. I'm sure Sorkin is a control freak as well. Yeah. And it's about a film about control freaks. And so there's just this perfect, everything in the film is so controlled and so meticulous. And it's about people who for whom that is how they think as well. And so I just think it's a, it's kind of a perfect match of, of people and subjects. And uh, it's, it's really, really works. So 4.5. Cool. Helen. I am also going to go 4.5 as an average score. Um, I mean, the first time was a five, but upon returns, you don't have to be as engaged in it. So, uh, and it's it's two hours. Yep. Doesn't feel like two hours. No. So it's it zips zips along really nicely, and that's probably because of the script really being so tight and punchy. Because he uh, Sorkin writes like 
1.5 times the amount of words per compared to other script writers. <laughs> really? I yeah. didn't know that. It's, it's something, it's a stupid it's like kind a of ratio. Um, but I could never, I don't think about, I, I don't want to be an actor, but I couldn't be an actor in a sort in a, in a, in a Sorkin scripted piece because I just would oh, not be, be able to get though. the words out. I just, I don't know how Westman did it week in, week out. It just seems insane to me. What Imagine they do. doing that live. I mean, on that live episode. Jesus. The pressure. Yeah. But I mean, you know, 99 takes of, <laughs> of a scene. But I mean, Jesse Eisenberg talks about it. He's like, you often as an actor just do that scene where you're parking the car on Entourage. Um, literally. I could do that. I could do turtle parking the car. You're picking up a spoon for a day and then you go home and he says, you know, you don't feel like you've sort of done your job properly and then he does this dialogue scene in the bar at the beginning of this film and yeah. you go home and you're just like wow yeah, that's what I want to do and I think actors love like the actors we interviewed most of them love theatre probably more than often than their than their film work from mm -hmm. a purely practical point of view because they're actually acting all the time and yeah. sticking around um, and this is probably closer to that these sorts of things with Sorkin scripts and Fincher it's a real kind of proper meaty acting challenge um, but not in a kind of a wanky introspective way it brings you in as a viewer yeah definitely I think there's, there'll be definitely actors who would give their you know fight tooth and nail to get in a Will Fincher Aaron Tolkien scripted production I think definitely just not me if I was an actor which I don't want to be um, what do you say sorry 4.5 4.5 yeah it's going to be high for me I, yeah, I'm going to go 4.5 why not um, you can't not be if you like I say if you if you don't like it within the first scene then just dive out but if you're in it, you're you're in it. You have to be, and um, and that gives us three point nine two. Oh, I thought it should have got a four. Why did it lose points? Repeat viewing was the biggest biggest drop. I think I'm responsible with a two. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. No, it's alright. That's how the that's how the cookie crumbles here in the in the Flix Watcher Pod. Um, that's fine. I think I think it's fair. The repeat viewing score isn't that, that high. Um, let's head to our Twitter people. We had quite a few responses. Lots of people have seen the social network and have an opinion about it. And as always, we reach out to Twitter before we record. Uh, in this case, we're reviewing the social network uh, with Phil Dissemlin and Nick Dissemlin. Uh, tell us your thoughts for an on-air shout-out. Gives you a five-star rating, a short review, and retweets because we want more people to see it. Um, guys, around the table, do you want to take this first, uh, Phil, the first review comment? Sure thing from at IMDB Journey. Uh, a well-crafted script with some solid performances from some up-and-comers and a story perfectly fit for the modern era audience. And that's four stars and a sort of a shooting star that goes around in a circle. So presume it must be five stars. I've never seen that. Is that, that a half a star? Might be. Or a half a star, maybe. Or is it super it Or it could be like 4.25 or something. <laughs> it could be 4.25. That's what very, it's very hard. A shooting star. We'll take it's 4.25. Okay. Um, let's go for these guys. Nick. Retro uh, Ramble Blog yeah. um, says a potentially pedestrian story made into a gripping drama with Fincher on slick visuals, mm -hmm. Sorkin on sharp dialogue, an awesome soundtrack, and breakout performances from Andrew Garfield and Army Hammer. Five stars times two for Army Hammer. So it was, it was this was pre obviously it's pre Spider Man. Mm. Yes. So we had Spider Man and Lex Luthor in the same in the same film. Yes. I, yes. I like to not think about those films. <laughs> <The> Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I like not to think about. Um, those Spider-Man films or indeed <laughs> any film with Lex Luthor um, made recently. <laughs> no offense so, to Gene Hackman. Who Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor's fine. But, um, but yeah, Kevin Spacey or Eisenberg. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, yeah. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? I asked Michael Shannon 
for like a low a low return question. This one, well, you know, that I just pointed out that he and Tom Holland, who was Spider Man, were in the same film together, and they were both. Super, it was a thin question, but yeah, you get short shrift from actors for that sort of stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, we were in movies. It's what we do for a living, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andrew Garfield was, I think he beat, he built a rep over here, yeah. for, especially for Red Riding at that point. And Boyer was a decent... And Boyer, yeah. likewise. So he was he was on the up and up. He's yeah. a very good actor. I, mm. I liked him in Silence. Um, miscast. As, I'm not, yeah, I'm uh, not seeing... I probably will never see Silence. That's a hard one to... Yeah. Rewatchability on that is probably a one point one one at best, but um, he's a he's a very strong actor. His performance kind of drives that, and yep. uh, I just thought he was one more than Adam Driver. Hey, <laughs> very good. Um, I uh, yeah, I just thought he was miscast as Peter Parker. Um, yeah, but and Eisenberg similarly as Lex Luthor. And, uh, Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man I've seen on on screen by a country mile. Yeah, um, Helen. So the next one is from Shitegeist Pod. Sorkin and Fincher at the top of their games, endlessly rewatchable and a superb soundtrack. And then we've uh, got five computers there. Nice, five laptops. Good emoji game. Yeah, um, film. Uh, at top film tip, uh, says antisocial prodigy creates generational phenomenon at a cost of his only friendship. Fincher shifts away from aesthetic stylism into story-focused work. Interesting, if a little dry. Meaning three Facebook likes out of five for that. Ooh, mm, low. I would have thought I would have thought top film tip would give a higher mark. Uh, Nick, uh, the at the countdown PC says uh, one of us likes it like a pet. The other <laughs> thinks it's a better than expected telling of a story that had played out through the media. I guess we therefore settle on three and a half stars. Beth, you want to take Reese, who is your boyfriend's tweet? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just reading it now. Uh, sorry, from at Reg Hayes. Any film with Mara Rooney wins for me. Zuckerberg is brilliantly portrayed and Timberlake a winning turn. And that's four computer emojis. Cool. And the final one, which came in three hours ago. Uh, Phil, do you want to take this, take us home? Sure. This is from Reese, the situation, Wilson. <laughs> he, sounds like, he, sounds, he sounds like a contender in one of the later Rocky movies. Um, at Reese, my socks off. Moody atmospheric direction, electric acting and a genius fast paced script turn what should have been an average biopic into one of the greatest films of the last decade. And that's got five shiny stars. Fascinate nicely put. Stars. Nicely put. Yeah. Mm. So like a lot more love there than we gave it. Well, we had a bit of a mix. You had with top film tip mm-hmm. with the with the three, some at five. So I think it averages out at the three point nine two one. Is your boyfriend a big fan of Rooney Mara? Apparently so. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that's yeah. Like I say, overall score of three point nine two. Um, that feels right to me. I think so. I, just I think right. we've done. I think we've done it well. I think yeah. we've done it justice here in the in the room. Uh, guys, can you tell us where we can find you online and uh, sign off? Um, yes, I'm at at Phil Assemblyan on Twitter, um, and the internet writing about things for Time Out. So you know, timeout forward slash dot com forward slash film would be a good place to go. I can be found uh, rambling on about Ghostbusters two even more on mm. Twitter at Nick Tussemlian, Instagram, the same handle. And I'm occasionally on the Empire podcast, which comes out on Fridays. Cool. Lovely. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. You were just listening to the latest episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Thank you to Brendan Russell for his sublime editing skills. Mighty people for the tunes you can hear right now. Please do come to iTunes and find us, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Find us on Twitter at Flix Watcher Pod. 
on our website, flixwatcher.tv. 